Hi everyone, welcome to Debate Girl Discusses Episode 1. This podcast is set up to inform you about different things going on around the world and in the U.S. and also different policies around the world and in the U.S. I'm on the debate team and I was on the Constitution team this past year, so I know a lot of random knowledge about world and international topics and also about the Constitution. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So let's get started. All right, today I'm going to be discussing the Belt and Road Initiative, and in this podcast, I'm either going to call it the Belt and Road Initiative or the BRI, and there's another name that it goes by, which is One Belt, One Road, but nobody really calls it that, so I'm not going to be calling it that either. And in this podcast, there's three things I'm going to cover about the Belt and Road Initiative. The first is what is it, the second is the advantages, and the third is the disadvantages. All right, so let's get started. So what is the Belt and Road Initiative? Well, if you've ever heard of the Silk Road, it's very similar. Maybe you learned about it in middle school, or maybe you just slept through your class, and so you're really confused at what I'm talking about right now. Well, the Silk Road was a big trade um, line, you could say, that went all through Europe, Asia, and Africa um, between 130 BC and 1453 AD. Um, So it hasn't been running in a while, you could say, but China has tried to bring it back kind of, except nobody rides on camels to go trade goods anymore. Instead, now they're building trains and roads, and there's even a maritime network. And so that's what the Belt and Road Initiative stands for. The Belt is the on-land transportation and trade, and the road is the maritime networks. I know it's really confusing. I don't know why they had to name it like that, but that's just what it's called. So, like I said, it's basically just a big trade route, fancy trade route that goes from um, Asia to Africa to parts of Europe because some countries in the EU have signed on, EU, um, the European Union, have signed on to the Belt and Road Initiative, but there are some that have not, and I'm going to explain why they have not in a bit. Um, So that's it. That's what the Belt and Road Initiative is, just transporting goods. China claims that it is to um, have more global connectivity, but a lot of people believe that China wants to become the world hegemon, and they're using this to do so. I'm going to pause here and explain what a hegemon is, because I don't know, maybe you know it, maybe you don't. So right now, a lot of people claim that the U.S. is the world hegemon, and a hegemon basically just means that you have dominance over economics. So you have you have an influence over a lot of other countries' economics, and also you have an influence over your own, obviously, but you have a very big economy. Um, and so the U.S., a lot of people claim, is the world hegemon right now. There's no, like, election for world hegemon or you know, nomination. It's just what people think pretty much. And a lot of people think that China really wants to be the world hegemon, which is probably true. And a lot of people think that's why they are building the Belt and Road Initiative. And that's also 
probably true, but there's no actual evidence to support this claim. All right, so now that you know what the Belt and Road Initiative is, I'm going to move on to the advantages of it. So first, I'm going to start off with the obvious one, the trade advantages. With the Belt and Road Initiative, trade does increase because now there's more networks to trade, obviously, um, but also the time it takes to trade decreases because there's more networks to trade, um, and so there's more connectivity, and it's easier to trade. Also, there is a reduced cost in trade because now, again, there's so many ways you can trade and transport. Um, and so it's a really good initiative for trade. And also, it's really good for third world countries because um, they're able to trade more with bigger countries that they hadn't been able to in the past because they just didn't have that connectivity. All right, so what are the other advantages? Well, another big advantage is the third world countries. It benefits them hugely because now they have the infrastructure that they need to be able to grow their economy that they wouldn't have been able to fund on their own. But we'll talk about the downside of that a little bit later. So basically China's building this thing and it's helping the economy in third world countries and it's helping trade. So what could be wrong with it? Well, there's a lot of things wrong with it. But before we move on, I just want to mention one other thing. It is also increasing the amount of jobs um, in a lot of these countries, and that's, again, important for third world countries. Um, so yeah, but there's also speculation, well, not speculation, there are facts out there that show that China's actually really benefiting from the jobs aspect and that China's bringing in a lot of its own workers to do the work, which I guess makes sense because China is funding these projects, but it'd be better for the third world countries if there was actually more jobs created in their country. Okay, so let's move on to the disadvantages. So... The first disadvantage I'm going to start with is the environmental impact of the Belt and Road Initiative. So while this may sound all great, all this good trade, all of this, um, you know, helping the third world countries, everything like that, it has a huge impact on the environment and not a good one. This is because obviously there's more infrastructure and more infrastructure means it has to be built. And the main source of energy right now for that is the coal and oil industry. And while there are some projects on the Belt and Road Initiative that have been funded by renewables, a lot have been funded by coal and oil. So this is obviously really bad because global warming is a thing, um, but also in the maritime networks, just with the increased travel, um, it's making invasive species invade more, and also pollution is able to spread more easily with the increased movement. On land, it's really harmful for biodiversity because essentially China is tearing down parts of forests where a lot of um, endangered species live and it's hurting their environment as well as ours. Now, along with that, the high-speed rails that come in, it's kind of not known, are these good for the environment, are these not? Well, the answer is maybe. It depends on how you build them. So if you 
build a high-speed rail with renewable energy and you do it in an environmentally friendly way, they're extremely good for the environment. But if you still use coal and oil to build it and to run it, it's extremely bad for the environment for obvious reasons. So a lot of the high-speed rails that China is building um, are funded with coal and oil, which is obviously not good. Uh, but there have been some projects um, that have built high-speed rails that have used renewable energy, which is good. But China's still not there all the way. And the other main issue with the high-speed rail is that when it goes through these forests, um, it's extremely loud and really damaging to the animals um, and just scares them. I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want a high-speed rail running through my house while I'm trying to sleep or mind my own business. Now, the silver lining to this is that the Belt and Road Initiative does have some environmental things that are good about it. Like, for instance, there's no air travel. So, that means that all that pollution that would have been going into the air isn't going into the air. And the reason I say this as a benefit is because air pollution is way more harmful than on-land pollution. And when I refer to on-land pollution, I'm saying things like trains and cars, but mainly trains because cars are really, really bad for the environment. I mean, trains are too, but cars are worse. So the reason why the air travel is worse for the environment is because you're literally releasing those toxic greenhouse gases from the airplane right there into the atmosphere versus when you're on land it takes more time to um, have an impact on the environment the greenhouse gases and also planes just take a lot more energy and a lot more fuel and are just worse for the environment in general so that's the environment Belt and Road Initiative, really not great for the environment. So the next negative impact of the Belt and Road Initiative is Chinese debt trapping. So in the past, China has had a record of debt trapping countries. And when I say this, I mean they say, hey, we're going to build you this infrastructure. But then they build it and then they have a really crazy, ridiculous um, debt on it. And the country that had the infrastructure built in it can't pay that back. And so China pretty much then owns part of that country. I have an example of this, which is in Sri Lanka. Chinese, uh, the China, sorry about that. The Belt and Road Initiative funded a port. um, And the Sri Lankan government had to pay debt on that port. And they weren't able to do that. And so now China owns that port and the adjoining land for the next 99 years and gets to benefit from all the different um, goods that are coming in and out. And instead of Sri Lanka benefiting from that. And just on a side note, Sri Lanka is a developing country and that probably would have done really good things for them. But for the next 90 years, 99 years, excuse me, it's not. So debt trapping. Not a great thing. China's done it in the past. That's only one example. A lot of other countries are having troubles paying back their debts um, just because they're really bad debts. So that's the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, Also, just on a quick side note, I was going to mention something about the European Union, EU. Um, 
there's some countries in the EU that have joined the Belt and Road Initiative, such as Greece or Italy, but a lot haven't just because the EU as a whole is scared about Chinese um, debt trap diplomacy and also just China's ways and diplomacy in general. Um, so, yeah. That's why the EU hasn't really joined yet, but there are some countries, like I said, that have, and some that aren't even in the EU that have, but China really wants to have the have Europe join, um, and also they kind of need Europe to join because their funding is running low, and without Europe's money backing, the initiative might just fail as a whole. So, that's the Belt and Road Initiative. I hope you learned something about global policies and had a good time because that was pretty fun. So anyway, I'll see you next time. And this is Debate Girl on Debate Girl Discussions. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to subscribe to get all notifications on when I post my next podcast. Thanks. Bye.